our thoughts is really we're picking up from Sunday's message. We're dealing with a tutorial that God engaged Israel in, as you guys know, around the garment and the fringes on the garment. We talked about that at length. We're going to pick up on that because there's some details that I want you to know about there, just in case that whole event was evasive to you and, you know, dealing with tokens and symbols and typology, uh, people can play them down and they can be, <clears throat> they can be missed. But as we learned on Sunday, there is always a New Testament application to Old Testament patterns and principles, New Testament application. And we want to, we want to consider that today. There is a direct and a physical carryover from the command that's given to us in Numbers 15, 37 through 41. I want to read that again, and then we're going to be looking at a very common uh, event in the New Testament, and that event is going to uh, convince us that we need to raise the question. And the title of our, our study is going to be In Pursuit of the Tassel, as you have in your outline. In Pursuit of the Tassel. Um, the way we want to look at this, and, and the tassel will be in some of your translations, uh, in the New Testament, uh, in other translations, it won't. It will be other terms. We'll talk about those in a moment. Um, I think that is veiled for a very specific reason. I want to elucidate that here as we work with it. But the question that we want to work through as we deal with the issue of the tassel, for some of us, that was a brand new idea on Sunday, wasn't it? Brand new idea, and I want us to actually milk that out today and again on Friday. Um, the first thing will be, is the tassel worth pursuing? That's, that's going to be a question. Remember, we don't bob our head up and down until we really reason it through. Is the tassel worth pursuing? That's going to be the first question. Our context is going to affirm that proposition. The second question is, who is it that will pursue the tassel? Who is it that will pursue the tassel? That's question number two. And as we're going to see on Friday, who else is in pursuit of the tassel? So if those three questions are kind of uh, received to lodge in our head as a query, as a, um, a ground for spurring our investigation, you know, is the tassel worth pursuing? It would presuppose that we know that the tassel is a real thing in the Bible, right? It's a real thing in the Bible. And is it worth pursuing? And we can ask that on a number of levels. Is it worth pursuing uh, uh, rationally? Is it worth pursuing intellectually? Is it worth pursuing ideologically? Is it worth pursuing spiritually? Is it worth pursuing, period? That's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on, and I'm hoping that our text for today will drive home uh, one of the ideas that I had made mention of week before last, and, and actually a couple of weeks ago, about tokens. When God gives us tokens in the Bible, he often gives us tokens of little things that people will miss who don't think God's thoughts after him. God will often give us tokens of little things that people will miss. Almost everybody is inclined to see big optics, something that's glaring and obvious. But to see or notice 
something small and, and something that is inconspicuous means something about you. Wouldn't that make some sense? That if there's a small thing, something that is apparently insignificant, that doesn't make a whole lot of show or exhibition, it doesn't express itself like being the center of attention. This is not the spreading of the peacock feathers. But if the tassel is worthy of pursuing, then who's pursuing it and, and why are they pursuing it? Those are the things we want to query into and I'm hoping that our study today will help us bring that home. Let me open in a word of prayer and then we're going to kind of go at it, build our idea around the tassel. Father, thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for the word of the living God, both old and new. Thank you for those things that have been and those things that are. And thank you for those things that will be. Help us to build the bridge that we ought to build between the old and the new and to understand that the new is contained in the old and the, uh, the, um, the old is fulfilled in the new and they all have their summation in our Savior. Help us to see what this is like in the account before us. We're asking this on the grounds of your son shed blood. Obviously, Lord, our cleansing, our purging, our sanctification, our washing. And we're asking it on the grounds of his righteousness, which is our standing before you, our hope for eternity, Christ in us. We in Christ, you in us, Father, and we in you. Irrevocable, immutable, unchangeable for all eternity. This we're asking, as well as asking that you open our eyes that we might behold the wonders of your law. Dwell with us, O God, Coram Dale, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to go in your Bible, uh, first and foremost, to Numbers chapter 15. I want to read verses 37 and 38 briefly, give you the Old Testament countertext, and then we're going to be going to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. And I want to build on the idea that inherent in this command or this imperative given in Numbers 15 is really <clears throat> the importance of God telling us or commanding us to do something. I think I can say it safely. If God tells you to do something, it does not matter what it is. You are obligated to do it, right? It doesn't matter what it is. You and I don't necessarily get to say, God, you got to explain this to me before I will feel like your imperative is just. It's not the case. The case would be for a humble Christian, whatever God says to do, we do. Um, and, and with that kind of childlike faith, you and I will then be open up to how God will speak to us in the imperative, his blessings and promises to us as well. So as we deal with this idea of the commandment in front of us, understand that this commandment in, in Numbers 15 was designed to sanctify the people of God by way of a process called memory. Memory. They were to remember something, if you guys recall. And memory is big in sanctification. Would you agree? Memory is big in transformation of our mind. Memory is huge in helping us to recall and to recover and to reestablish constantly the life of the believer is remembering. Listen to what he says in the Lord spake to Moses saying, verse 38, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them. I told you that Hebrew term means to command, bid them that they make them fringes. So you see they are involved in what is called the obedience of what? Right. And, and what they are doing is taking something that they already have and adding to it. I wanted to quickly affirm that they already have a covering. 
So the covering is already kind of a, a, a predisposition of, of affirmation. They're already covered. They have garments, but they are to do something with their garments, put fringes on their garment. So imagine that act of obedience being engaged in on your part, and now you are physically involved in doing something that would constitute a coextension of a present reality a coextension of a present reality. The present reality is that God has already covered you. You and I are already covered, haven't we talked about that? And God clothed them. So we're already enjoying the benefits of being covered. What is happening now is God is calling us to participate in a mechanism by which the covering will take on a more significant understanding in our life. So he says that they are to make them fringes and the fringes are to go where? In the borders of their garments how long throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringes the borders of a ribbon of blue so that what the fringes are is a hanging tassel with a blue ribbon around it and that hanging tassel with the blue ribbon around it is going to serve as a mechanism, as a system of recall. That's what the next verse is going to teach us verse uh, 39, and it shall be unto you for a fringe. Most of your Bibles will have tassel, will it not? Fringe and tassel, two, two, uh, two of the same thing in this context. Shall be unto you for a fringe that you may do what? Look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord. How many of you guys were with us on Sunday? How many of you guys caught what I taught you on that on Sunday, right? The involved process of focus. So the fringe is for focusing. You can use that little quip. The fringe is for focusing. What God wants you to do now is to not take for granted the garment, but focus on the fringe. The fringe is going to be a point of focus for us, or as I've also stated it on Sunday, the tassel speaks. The tassel talks. As the fringe is called for you to focus on it, the tassel will talk. And what the tassel will do is remind us of all of the Lord's commandments in order that, me, that we might do what? Do them. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you use to go a whoring. Those are the commandments right there. Beautiful set of imperatives for the people of God. I want us to drill down into this question and I'm going to show it to you explicitly. We're going to cover about eight points here and then Friday we're going to unpack it more fully. Okay. Is the tassel, which is called the fringe, on the border of the garment, worthy of pursuing? That's all the question I want to raise right now. And, and, and if you're saying yes, because the Lord told us to do it, then your answer is right. Your motive is right. And if it is worthy of pursuing, might we not believe that the tassel has intrinsic in its significance, something far richer, something far more significant for those who actually pursue the tassel? Might we affirm that? That the tassel has a blessing in it. If we can capture the significance of the tassel. And if the tassel is a reminder to you and me of the word of God, which are the premises for God's promises, as we've already stated, all of God's word are really for us promises, are they not? 
if the tassel is a reminder of the promises of God, those propositional truth claims that I shared with you on Sunday, which for the Hebrew people were how many? 613. You guys remember that? And, and I'm speaking to you from a very Hebraic and Jewish construct because they were called to memorize all 613 mishpats. They were to give themselves to memorization. They were to give themselves to the exercise of mnemonics. That's what Psalm 119 is all about. And I shared with you our last year's verse. Remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction because your word gives me life. So we do recognize a pattern of memory for the people of God is essential to the word of God being grounded in our heart. Would you agree with that? Memorization of scripture is absolutely essential. That's inherent in Psalm 1 verse 2. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, Torah, right? And in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. So I'm establishing a process, a methodology, an external mode of exercise that you find the Jewish people doing all the days of their life, even up to now. And we as Christians do the same thing, do we not? Do, are we not constantly memorizing God's word? Are we not constantly meditating on his precepts? Listen, the command to study God's word is what drove you to be here again today. So we're actually obeying that command in this regard, are we not? And so on a physical level, because Old Testament uh, physical patterns pointed to New Testament spiritual patterns, when they played with the tassel, which is what they were supposed to do, and they had them on the four borders of their garments. A tassel on one end in the front, a tassel on the other end in the back, four tassels. Did that make some sense? They could pick up the tassels while they're walking and they could what? Fill the tassels, play with the tassels. What are they doing? They are remembering God's word. What are they doing? They're meditating on his precepts. You guys follow what I'm saying? Right, they're meditating on his precepts. They're remembering God's word. And remember we talked about the garment being an intimate sort of process by which you and I are drawn close to God because God is the one that clothes us and covers us. How practical then is the fringe by which you and I are called to remember God's word, an intimate thing. You're walking with it, you're handling it, you're touching it, you're holding it. And I gave you the New Testament counterpart in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, right? Remember what it says in 1 John 1, 1. Since we're talking about the commandments of the Lord, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon. Isn't that what God told them to do with the tassel? Look upon it. Look upon it in order that you might remember, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. And our, handles have hand, and our hands have handled of the what? Word of life. Now, what is the word of life? Jesus. So the propositional truth claims of the word of God represented in the tassels really are summed up in the personification of Christ. Whom we might say. Is the worthy reason that you and I would pursue the tassel. Why would I pursue the tassel? Because in the tassel are the promises of God concerning Christ. Did that come home? I would pursue the tassel because the tassel is God's word. And the, the word of God tells us that the end of the law for righteousness is Jesus. 
And so they were always looking for Messiah, were they not? They were always hoping in his coming. And this is a great method by which they would remind themselves that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That you might know what the good and acceptable will of God is, that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in him, that you might know the love of God, which is broad and deep and wide. You see, I'm doing the tassel thing, am I not? Am I tasseling? I'm handling the tassel because the tassel is the medium between the proposition and the reality. Like the word of God is for us. I'm, I'm laying a foundation for you to get it because it would seem stupid if you just see people walking around rubbing the tassel. But if that person knows what they're doing, they are being profoundly edified as they rub the tassel. Okay, here we go. So I raised the question, is the tassel worth pursuing? And if it is, who will pursue the tassel? And as we're going to see on Friday, who else will pursue the tassel? If the tassel has something to do with Jesus, you can be sure that there will be two entities pursuing the tassel. Am I making some sense? I want to be one of them. So I'm in verse 21 of chapter 5, and I'm going to see if I can make this very plain of Mark's gospel. Verse 21, are you there? And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, many people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He besought him greatly, begged him urgently, as the other gospel accounts make it. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people did what? Followed him, and they did what? I want you to capture that, okay? I want you to capture that. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood for how many years? How, and the, the scripture says, and she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather was worse, grew worse. Now look at verse 27, because I want us to walk this through. I know you think you know it, but I want you to walk it through with me. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Do you see it? You've heard that story before. The question that I raise, we're going to unpack the rest of it, is this. Is the tassel worthy to pursue? Y'all with me now? Is the tassel worthy to pursue? Because if the tassel is worthy to pursue, this account affirms that. Okay, the account in front of us tells us that the tassel is worthy to pursue. Now look at what happens over in verse 28. For she said, if I must, if I may touch but his what? I shall be made whole. You see it? All right, we're going to unpack that. We're going to unpack that. We got a good 35 minutes. Verse 28. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. 
Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, what? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you and says thou who touches me? They were utterly confounded by his question, right? And this here is an insight for us as to the ability to be close to Jesus, but not close enough to see what's really going on with Jesus. The disciples totally miss actually what I'm cracking the door open for you to see. They totally missed it. They're all there. They're all thronging Jesus and the disciples are with him. But the disciples don't even get the benefit of what this lady gets. And I want us to be able to see this in light of our understanding, the uh, pursuit of the what? Of the tassel. And his disciples said, you see the people thronging you and you're going to say to us who touched you. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Y'all got that? All right, we got to work through that. There's a paradox, there's a tension here in this narrative, and you would understand the tension if you understand Torah in relationship to this outcome. You would understand the tension if you understand Torah in, in relationship to what she did, because this woman did what? She touched him, okay? So you and I want to understand the tension in this account. Look at the next verse, because she's going to be rewarded here. Verse 34, and he said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you what? Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, a powerful piece of information here, it's given in um, the other two synoptic gospels, Matthew's gospel, as well as in Luke, uh, Luke's gospel, not in John's, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what they do in the synoptic gospels is they give you different shades of the same event but not direct equivalent words. That means it gives you greater insight. We're about to see some of that insight now. So I'm going to be Socratic with you. There are questions that we're going to raise. The first one is in our outline. What is the need that this woman had? You see that in your outline, right? What is her need? What was her need? Her need was what? Healing, right? So then our next question is, and we'll get to that in a moment, our next question in our outline is, what was her burden? What was her real burden? Her burden was her sickness. Is that true? Sure, her burden was her sickness. I just want you to write that down briefly. She had a need. Her burden was her sickness, okay? Now thirdly, what was her frustration? Her frustration was the FDA, the CDC, and every miserable doctor. Every miserable doctor. I'm setting you up. You know that because I'm not shallow. I'm way deeper than that, and you have to be too. But there's nothing new under the sun. So here's what I may say to you. The world thinks the gospel is a foolish thing, but for God, the gospel is wisdom and power. That's why I raised the question, who is going to pursue the tassel? I can tell you who's going to pursue the tassel. 
the person that understands the promise inherent in the tassel. That's the person that's going to pursue the tassel. Here also is another insight as to who will pursue the tassel, the person that's in need of what the tassel promises is the person that's going to pursue the tassel. Not only the individual that has some insight into the promises of the tassel, not only is it going to be the individual who is operating out of need, but the individual who is frustrated with their condition. So it's important for you to get that because the tassel means nothing to you if you don't have a need. It means nothing to you if you don't have an insight into the promises inherent in the tassel, right? And a lot of times you and I might have a need, whether it be healing or sickness, but until you and I get to the place where we are frustrated, we will just sit in our demise, won't we? We won't necessarily pursue the promise inherent in the tassel until we are so frustrated that there's nothing else to do. So we're going to be talking about here now in relationship to her pursuing the tassel. Really, what is this lady doing? Jesus told her she is practicing faith at the level of obedience. And it's an obedience that is rooted in a knowledge of what the tassel signifies. Did that come home? Very important. I'm going to show you what I mean by that here in a moment. So thirdly, uh, fourthly rather, after the need is, is addressed, we, we, we regard that. The burden is addressed. The frustration is addressed. This is really true. Notice again what the text says over in verse 26. She had suffered many things of many what? Physicians. And had spent all that she had. That means she's broke. She has no external monetary resources in exchange for her burden, and she's exhausted all of her earthly resources because all the doctors have left her high and dry. Would you call that a frustrating situation? Extreme, extremely. And she was nothing bettered, but rather she was growing what? I want you to empathize with her. I really do. Because if you don't, this exercise right now is futile to you. And you notice as a case, a lot of times our faith is purely academic. It doesn't have any grounding in anything substantial or anything spiritually authentic. A lot of times our faith is just merely the kind of uh, speculative theorizing around doctrinal propositional issues that doesn't even constitute any kind of compelling on our part to pursue God. Am I making some sense? I'm going to say it another kind of way because I want you to get this. This is really interesting for me because what the author does in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as he does a lot, he will lift one person up out of the whole crowd and it was a throng of people there. And you know what he would say? This person is the only one doing what they're doing. The rest are not. Now, externally, they're all following Jesus. They're all thronging Jesus, are they not? But no one is touching him. And this is why none of the rest 
will be able to have an open public conversation with Jesus by which his father is glorified in the exhibition of faith that this lady showed. Does that make some sense? All right, so I want to continue working through it. We haven't really unpacked it fully, but let's start again at uh, frustration. This frustration thing that she is dealing with brought her to the point of recognizing an opportunity. This is sub point D, the press of what? The press of opportunity that that came out of what she um, what is said in verse 27 when she had heard of who when she had heard of who. All right. So stop right there, because what you got is a historical context of Jesus passing by. Obviously, he's going somewhere. And really, if we were to put Matthew and Luke together, he's going to help this man whose daughter is sick unto death who happens to be 12 years old as well. The number 12 is featured here. This lady had a sickness for 12 years. The daughter was 12 years old and is dying. And in some translations, she's dead. So these two women, the daughter and the older woman, share a narrative, do they not? They have an affliction. They have a burden. They have a struggle. They have a trouble. And their troubles will ultimately kill them. If this woman who has this issue of blood has, doesn't have a remedy, she dies. Okay? So she is also in a very, very bad way, but she joins with um, another human being who happens to be female as well in a predicament where the number 12 comes into play. This is what I call in verse 27, the, pers the press of opportunity. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the what? Press. Now the press is the crowd. And she was behind them. That's what the text says. So what are we visualizing? We're visualizing her being moved by a knowledge of Jesus. Faith comes by what? That's exactly right. So notice now that she has a fundamental disposition to actually respond to the nearness of Messiah because he's near. She heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. And obviously she heard of him because he was in proximity. Now, what if this woman had been dilly dallying all her life and was utterly ignorant of who Messiah was when he passed by? He would have meant nothing to her. He would have meant nothing to her. She would have been stuck with her miserable physicians who had no healing capacity, but they did have the capacity to harm. And she was being made worse. Jesus comes along, and as soon as she hears him coming, what's ignited in her? Faith. Faith. She had put her faith in the doctors. She gave them all her money. We know that dilemma, don't we? You go to the doctor over and over and over and over again. All kind of doctors. Physical doctors, psychological doctors, therapists this and therapists that. And, and we come to discover 90% of the time that our therapists can help us very little. Have you discovered that yet? Now, this is one of the reasons, again, that you and I have to be careful to make sure that even when we utilize human resources, that we don't lean into them as our saviors. That's what Jeremiah is saying in Jeremiah 17, 5. You guys have learned it. Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. But now this sister was doing all she can because her illness was a serious illness, was it not? Do you know how bad her illness was? It was bad enough to keep her excommunicated from the community. Do you know your Bible enough to know that? 
the Levitical code lays out that issues of blood like that rendered this woman to be unclean. Are you following me? So her predicament is a frustration because she's a child of Abraham. She would have loved being fully received in the community, but she couldn't stop bleeding. Now, Torah has a mandate that women are to be set aside for 30 days for their uncleanness. Y'all know your Bibles. That was what happened to Mother Mary, right? She had to be set aside after the Lord's circumcision on the eighth day before she could come to the temple because her, her, her issue of blood was one of those consecration things that God is teaching redemptively that life is in the woman. And she has to go through a cycle of cleansing before she can prepare to bring forth life again. And Torah said it very clearly that men were not to approach unto their wives in menstruation when you were Jewish, right? All of that had typological patterns for you and I. That the issue for all of us is always in the blood. Did that make some sense? Like the real problem with humanity is always in the blood. Why do we say that? Because what's in the blood? The life is in the blood. Is that true? So what's happening with this woman is she's losing her blood, which means she's losing her health, which means she's losing her life. Her life is bit by bit dripping out of her. Would you agree with that? Is that a desperate situation? Is it notable, therefore, and remarkable that this woman, when she hears Jesus, does not just let him pass by? Is it notable? Of course it is. See, this is why I'm not leaving really quick, because I know we've heard the story a thousand times. I'm sorry to say there are a lot of people who let Jesus pass by every day. Every day. This woman has calculated her circumstance and her situation, and she has, she has come to the conclusion that this is the moment for me to act. And that's how faith works. I'm going to applaud her with Jesus on a number of levels. Are you ready? Here's the first one I'm going to do. She now is breaking out of her focus trap, which was a situation where she is impeded by a lack of help from everybody in the world for which she could have simply just spiraled down into negative sequencing and just been complaining about her problem. Am I making some sense? And just, you know, do what a lot of people do, clothe themselves in the misery of their predicament. But look how good God is. In this scenario, Jesus is going to another assignment, but God allows proximity to be a providence by which she hears of him passing by. It's a beautiful thing, right? For us, that can be any kind of mechanism. That could be radio, that could be social media, that could be somebody at the supermarket, that could be anyone, anywhere, anytime. And then you hear this word, and I, I appreciate what's going on here, because she's hearing something, is she not? And it's stirring her hope. And guess what she does? She does what the word of God says, because the word of God are the promises of God, are they not? The word of God are the promises of God. I'm going to tie into the tassel here in a moment. But I remember uh, Jeremiah 29, 13. Do you remember that? Jeremiah 29, 13. You should. It's a verse that God promises. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Is that true? Is that is that a word from God? Is that propositional true? Does it have its personification and fulfillment in Jesus? Right. Is Jesus the yes and amen of all God's promises? Yeah. Think about it. 
So in a, in a real sense, I want to push us into this. Jesus meant more to this lady than just another Jewish brother passing by. Is that true? Can I tell you why? Because she was used to playing with the tassels. She's used to handling the tassels. Remember what we learned? The tassels were to be on the garment. The garments had to be worn by, you, you, you don't get to have 20% of the Jewish women walk around butt naked. You know, everybody got on, everybody got tassels. The tassels were a common testimony of God's promises. She, she actually was used to the tassels, was she not? Now, when I watch this, this is going to be absolutely insightful to you here in a moment. And you shall seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I mean, I, I love that. But the psalmist also unpacks this. Psalm 119, uh, verse 45. Here's another one. There are many others, too. Psalm 119, verse 45. Listen to this word. This is uh, the psalmist exalting scripture as he does. He says, and I will walk at what? I will walk in freedom. Now, right now, this woman is not walking in her freedom. But she's about to, is she not? And she's about to do it because she does what? Seeks his precept. Remember the tassels about the word of God. They are to remember the precepts of God. Can you imagine her being a Jewish believer who follows this mnemonic system, this regimen of remembering scripture by playing with the tassels in her life? And now real life situations come up where she's struggling with her life. She's struggling with her dignity. She's struggling with her identity, is she not? She's, she's waning away. Isn't that a contradiction? Here you and I are a child of God, and we are in a predicament that is paradoxically uh, one of suffering, and if it stays this way, we're going to what? We're going to die. Is she desperate? Is she hopeless? No! She is not hopeless, because she's used to playing with the tassels. Somebody's going to get that in a moment. She's used to playing with the tassels. I love this. She's used to playing with the tassels. And so the tassels render her a promise. We just read one of those, Psalm, uh, Jeremiah 23, 29, 13, right? Is that a promise? We just read that in Psalm 119, right? 45. Is that a promise? Here's another one. This is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4. I want you to see this promise, and then, then I'll go on. I love this. So is this woman moving uh, from her situation toward Jesus predicated on the promises of God? Yes. Obviously. Obviously. Well, if she's doing it in regard to the promises of God, that means she must have been an obedient Jewish woman that continued to look on and remember God's precepts and promises, Right? This is why God would have us to do it. Watch this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Is she worshiping God? Yes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Messiah is passing by. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Get up and start moving towards Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13 comes to her head. Psalm 119, 45 comes to her head. Exodus 15, 26 comes to her head. Pastor, what's that? I am the Lord God that healeth thee. See what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Now, does Jesus know this woman? Of course, he created her. 
Does he know her from a little child like that little 12-year-old girl? Does he know that she knows Torah? Does he know that she loves God's commandments? Of course. That's why he's walking by. He's about to take the tutorial of tassels talking and demonstrate how they point to a greater reality in the person of Christ. See it? All right. Bless the Lord, all my, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his what? Right. The, the benefits of God are his promises to us to take care of us and provide for us and meet our needs in the time of trouble. Here, here it is. Look at the next verse. Look at verse three. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and do what? Ah, oh, what a promise. What a promise. What a promise. If you are not hurting, you can't rejoice in this. If you are not afflicted, you can't rejoice in that promise. Do you know how many millions of believers around the world hang deeply on the promise that God is their healer? Yes, deeply on that promise. Well, how is it that they are hanging deeply on that promise other than the promises come to us in propositional form, right? The scriptures, right? Through thy precepts and my comforter. Thy testimonies are my counselors, and my comfort all the day long. That's Psalm 119. So the word of God brings her comfort in that it promises to heal her. And now the word of God is walking by her in its full personification. Is that not so? Is that not Jehovah uh, Jireh walking by in the person of Jesus? Jehovah Shema. Yeah, he, he is the one that Jehovah Shaddai. He is the God that healeth thee walking by her now. So what is she doing? She's not going to miss this opportunity in her need and in her desperation, in her frustration to just kind of sit and let this opportunity pass her by. She's acting on the grounds of what? Faith in the promises of God. I'm under point number E. The press of opportunity leads to the what? The resolve. You guys see that resolve? The resolve, that's our next point, the resolve. And this resolve is, again, a challenging thing. This is a resolve. Notice what she says over in verse um, 27 and 28. And when she had heard that Jesus came into the press behind, and when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, which means she had to do what? She had to force her way through the people. Did she? She had to force her way through the people. She had to keep the secret of her sickness to herself. She had to avoid critique and distraction from everybody else. She had to act in a criminal behavior against the law of Torah. Did that make some sense? She violated Torah in order to have the promises of Torah. Sometimes that's the nature of faith, is it not? Sometimes it's the nature of faith. Because remember, it's not by the works of the law. Moses couldn't heal her. Torah can tell you you're sick. It can tell you you're afflicted, but it can't heal you. So what is she doing? She's exercising a, an obedience of faith, but according to Torah, she's violating because she's fundamentally making everybody around her what? Unclean. Is that true? Yeah. 
So she holds her peace. She presses through. And guess what God does? He's a, he allows her to make it all the way up to Jesus. He allows her to make it all the way up to Jesus. Now notice what she says. She says in verse 25, 28, for she said, if I, uh, if I may but touch his clothes. See it? All right. So I'm going to ask you, what did she touch? She touched the tassel. Did y'all got that? This is not some wild-eyed interpretation. That's literally what she touched. That means that Jesus was wearing a garb that had the tassels on it. Why wouldn't he? Isn't he the end of the law for righteousness? Wouldn't Jesus wear garb that would be consistent with his role as a Jewish man? Wouldn't he also wear a garb that would remind the people of God of the promises of Torah? Would he not? I want y'all to capture that. It's important for you to get. Is he not Jewish as she's Jewish? Is he not Hebrew as she's Hebrew? Is he not then the embodiment of the propositions at this point in a very physical level, bringing the word of God to her? Now, I want you to think about that. How profound is it that this woman with all of this opposition in her life is able to pursue the tassel? How is it that she's able to lock in on the tassel and see it for what it is? Because if you're looking at the text, she's speaking out loud, is she not? If I can but touch the tassel. Is she superstitious? Is this a weird and bizarre thing? Or is this really, again, the obedience of faith working through her? Look at Mark's, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. Matthew's gospel addresses this, and we're going to look again at Luke in this regard. Matthew 9, 20 and 21. Notice what it says. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, she came behind him and touched the what? There's your word, tassel. That's your word right there, tassel. You got it? She didn't just touch him anywhere. She touched the tassel because the tassel contains the promise. Do you see it? She touched the tassel and, and the tassel of his garment. And what I love about it, look at the next verse. Here's what Jesus, how our master responds, 921, if, if you have it there. For she said within herself, if I must, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Look with me over in, um, in, uh, in um, Luke's account of this. Luke's account, chapter 8, verse 43 through 48, he does the same thing. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, verse 44. I want to walk this through. Came behind him and touched the what? So one said him, the other said border. They are all the same Greek term for tassel, okay? Touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stopped, staunched. Verse 45. And Jesus said, who touched me? Do you see it? In Mark's account, who touched my clothes? Didn't we just read that? Matthew chapter 5, who touched my clothes? Here in Luke's gospel, what is he saying? Who touched me? Work with that now. Because see, what's going on is that this touch was a powerful touch, was it not? 
This was a powerful touch. I'll, I'll use Luke. Luke is a doctor. Listen to it. Listen to what it says in verse 46. We're going to walk this through. Luke 8, 46, if we can get there. And Jesus says, somebody hath what? For I perceive that virtue is what? Gone out of me. So can you see this powerful exchange taking place? The text tells us that when she touched the hem of his garment, her issue stopped. At the same time, virtue went out of him. So there was this changing of conditions between her and her master, was it not? Her sin was laid on him and his righteousness was laid on her. And by his stripes was she healed. Do you see it? This is so important to get. This, this, so for me, when I was reading the numbers account, I said, you know what? No wonder God was extremely displeased with Israel because God was giving them small mnemonics, small tokens, and all of the tokens were pointing to this man that we're dealing with right here. And they were totally neglecting the blessing of having Jesus in the propositions of the t t uh, tassels near them every day. They should have been just as conditioned as this woman was when Jesus showed up. Is that right? You got a throng of people around Jesus. You can't tell me that those throngs of people, hundreds, maybe thousands, didn't have a need. You can't tell me they didn't have a need. They did. But no one grabbed the tassel but this lady. See what I'm getting at? I love this. And, and so what begins to happen is in your outline, not only does she have her resolve manifested by what I would call an absolutely profoundly robust faith that can actually uh, mitigate and take on the challenges of the obstacle of what the law says. You can't touch somebody, you will make them unclean. In fact, the Levitic Levitical code said for the priest, if he touches anyone unclean, the priest himself will become what? Not this priest. And think about this. She knows that this priest will not be contaminated by her uncleanness. This is what I'm trying to get you to see when she's rubbing and playing with her tassels. She's allowing the word of God to dwell richly in her heart, is she not? She's coming to an understanding of Jesus that's not superficial. Would you agree with that? She had a comprehension of his ability to do what the word of God said he would do. I am the Lord that what? Heals you. To do what the word promised and he will bear all of our diseases in his body on the cross. And she's acting on this. I think this is just profoundly uh, beautiful. Jesus said, somebody had touched me for I perceive that virtue is going out of me. Again, look at verse 47. We got two more verses here. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before what? All the people for what cause she had what? Touched him. And again, notice the emphasis is she's touching him. To touch the garment is to touch Christ. To touch the tassel is to touch the promises of God in the person of Christ. The idea of touching and holding is claiming, it's possessing. That's what John is saying. We looked upon him. We touched him. We handled the word of life. And what are the benefits that comes out of that? All of the virtue that's in Christ is available to us. 
when we engage Christ with that kind of obedience of faith. Would you agree with that? See, you're all, we're all challenged here today, are we not? We all got problems, don't we? We all got struggles. We all got challenges, don't we? But do we think it's worth it to pursue the tassel? See what I'm getting at? Yeah. See, this is one woman on this day that wasn't playing church, was she? Was she playing church? The rest of them were playing church. They following Jesus to hopefully a miracle service. They don't know what he's going to do. But here's this woman that says Jesus is more than somebody to be followed for some entertainment. He's someone to get a hold of because of a real substantial need. Yeah. And now what our Lord is going to do is because, you know, when he said, who touched me? And he says it in all three gospels. It wasn't that he didn't know who touched him. That couldn't be possible, right? He used that to elicit an opportunity to highlight the only faith that existed in all that community, which was in that woman. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a rebuke, isn't it? It's a rebuke. You and I can be in the press. We can be in the crowd. And we can be enamored with Jesus on an intellectual level. But we might not be in need of healing. We may not be sick as we need to be. We may not be frustrated. A person seeking Jesus when you truly are frustrated, you're not playing games with God, are you? We're frustrated when we come to the end of ourselves, don't we? That woman came to the end of herself. She says, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be as discreet as I possibly can, but I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm not going to let anyone stop me because I actually need this hymn to bring about the promise that it has inherent in this hymn. And it does. Look at verse 48. I love this. Here it is. Everybody getting ready to see her rewarded. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good what? Your faith have made you whole. Go in peace. Is that a whole hum thing? Now, see, that's subpoint H in your outline. That's subpoint H. The tassel is clear. That's what we're dealing with here. The witness is laid out. The secret is made known. No one else touched him that way. They were all curious. She was desperate. They were all interested in a religious show that day because, you know, uh, Jairus had spoken publicly. Hey, my daughter is at the brink of death. Oh, Jesus is going to heal somebody. Come on, let's go. And everybody that's following is in need of something, would you not say? Including the disciples. Including the disciples. Now, really, this is a story of two tales. Do you guys know that? The tale of the little girl and the tale of the older woman. They are two sides of the same coin. 12-year-old girl, 12-year affliction in the woman. Jesus is getting ready to go over to the house of this little girl and raise her from the dead, is he not? So the lesser, the lesser miracle is really simply a precipice, um, a, a, a premise for the latter miracle that's about to take, net, take place now with the little girl. Everybody's going to be happy on this day, are they not? Everybody's going to be happy on this day. On this day, the old woman is touching the, the tassel, is she not? And the tassel now is getting ready to go and touch the little girl, is it not? Because Jesus is the essence of the tassel. So if you look at the top of your outline, I got another question that I'm going to be raising for you in regards, in regards to, if you look at your outline again, in pursuit of the what? The tassel. The coextensive what? Right. 
So this is what I was saying earlier that makes some sense to me with regards to why God put Israel through that tutorial. And, and I just want you to get it because our time is up. We're going to unpack it Friday. <clears throat> and then we're going to see one more time on Friday that this thing called the tassel, the hems, the co-extension to the, to the rope, the co-extension to the rope. Um, that's God's mercy to you and me. That's, that's accessibility to all that the robe constitutes for us. Would you agree with that? Right. That, that's how God reaches out to needy sinners. This, the coextensive promises of God, right? Jesus is the essence of the promises, but you and I still need to hear the promises. Do we not? Yes. Is that not why we're here today? Amen. Right. And the soul should be inclined to say, Lord, let me touch the hem. Let me touch the tassel. I have need of something, Lord. I need the mediation between that total robe of righteousness, which mine is mine in Christ, and the tassel that leads me to the blessing of that righteousness. That's what I need. If all it requires is touching the tassel, let me touch the tassel. Because I got problems in my life. I've got real problems. This lady can teach us something, can she not? All right, so... I ask you, um, you know, is the tassel worth it? I think we know today it is, right? I also ask you, but who is it that will pursue the tassel? I think we got a little insight into it, right? People that need it, right? And, and, and the ones that need it will understand that there are promises that says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Did she find Jesus? Right. And Jesus really found her, did he not? Because providence tells us God has to pass by us. There was no guarantee Jesus would pass by if it wasn't in the providence of God to meet that girl at that place at that time, right? But I'm raising the question now. I'm going to stop right here. You, you need to know this because I want to I want to actually drill down into the tassel one more time on Friday. Can we do that? So so one more time on Friday, I want to I want to help some of us not. I want to help us to avoid what happens with religious people when we're not careful. And that is despising the small things of God. I want to help you not do that. I want to help you not do that. See, to me, this is big. She pressed through the crowd just to touch the tassel. And in a few minutes later, her Savior is honoring her publicly with a perfect healing proclaimed by her healer and her high priest the Lord Jesus. This woman's life has changed forever right now. Whereas she was always isolated, always shut up, 12 years separated from everybody because of her issue, hyper self-conscious, wasn't she? Struggling immensely with her impediment. She had been praying, don't we pray? She had been asking, doesn't she ask? She had been seeking, doesn't she? But the door opened up for Messiah to come nearer to her this time than any other time. And grace allowed her to rise up against every opposition, everything that would come up in her. Look, listen, this time is going to fail too. It's not going to work out. Can't nobody solve you. You're just going to stay sick till you die. Stay with me. Now, what I just stated right there, Nobody's going to save you. You're going to stay sick till you die. It's not going to help you. Just wallow in your misery. You know what's going on right there? Please hear me. 
What's going on right there is an enemy, stay with me, that wants to take your tassel. That's what we're going to pick up on Friday. 